I'm really glad to be here with you. I got a lot that the Lord's placed on my heart that I wanna share with you. I'm super excited about that. In fact, I can go ahead and tell you, I have way too much content for one message. This should probably be like a three-part series. I'm gonna do my best to cram it all in one night. So if, if those of you who are note takers, you're gonna love tonight. The rest of y'all, just hang with it. We have an after party to look forward to, all right? So that'll be fine, it'll all be good. But before I jump in, I just felt like that the Lord earlier when we were out in the lobby just kind of impressed this upon my heart to just, just say to somebody and maybe to everybody, uh, God's actually pleased with you. I don't know the last time somebody told you that, um, that God's actually pleased with you. If there's one thing that I like about getting older, it's that I actually think I'm getting more comfortable with that. Like when I was 25, if somebody had told me God was pleased with me, I would have just intuitively pushed back. I would have just said, I'm not so sure. And then when I was about 35, I started to kind of think, well, maybe. And now that I'm almost 45, like I'm actually starting to believe that might actually be true. Um, and it actually is true that God's actually pleased with you. And I think that's really hard for us sometimes to recognize. You know, we know God loves us because he sent Jesus to die for us. We kind of think he likes us, but the idea that he might actually be pleased with us. And I had this sweet little reminder of it this morning. Um, I was actually working, and I don't know if this ever happens where technology interrupts you. Um, and so technology interrupted me, and I, and I was looking for a picture for something. I was looking for a Venn diagram. That's what I was looking for, Austin. Austin, help me out. That'll make a little bit more sense later in the message. And um, sometimes like the iPhoto thing, this is me talking about technology. It, it does this thing where it puts together a video for you, and it's like memories across the years or something like that. And so it did one of these, and I watched it, and it was nothing but pictures of Henry and me, our youngest son. And he's eight now, and all the pictures from when he was like two and three. And like, I just stopped and had one of those like moments where I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so great. And all I could think was like how much I love this little guy and how much just looking at these pictures pleases me. And like, he's a real pain in the butt these days, if I can be honest with you, all right? Like he's going through a phase, if I can just be honest, all right? And so I'm looking at those and I'm like, I'm just so pleased with him because of who he is. And so on some level, if, if you could see for a second, God is like scrolling through the memories he has with you over the years. And he actually looks at you and he's pleased with you. And I just hope that just resonates with your heart before we jump in tonight. And then also, let me just say a quick hello from Morgan. She so wishes she could be here. Um, we have two out of the three that are sick right now. And so she's with them. I definitely got the better end of that deal, so um, I'm grateful to be with y'all. But uh, next time we're here on a Tuesday night, she will certainly be with me. So let me tell you what we want to talk about tonight. We're gonna talk about what it means to be called to ministry, all right? So if you're a note taker and you like titles, that is the title, all right? Called to ministry. That is a phrase that has gotten hijacked by us pastors, okay? So what we're gonna try to do tonight is reclaim that phrase biblically because I actually think that when we study the New Testament, what we recognize is that part of being a Christ follower is being called to ministry. So if you're a Christ follower, this message is for you. And by the end of the time, I hope that you'll see what I actually mean by this phrase. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, somebody invited you here, you're checking things out, this is a really good message for you to hear because in many ways it gives you insight into what Christians are actually supposed to be about. 
And so many times we don't do a good job of representing what Jesus actually called us to. But see, part of what happens when we take on the name of Christ is it actually gives us some things to do. And he actually wires us up to accomplish those things. And, and I think it's a really helpful thing for us to look at. And I remember the first time I really had to reckon with this. It was when I was a middle school pastor and we had about 100 middle schoolers that would show up every week for a Bible study and it was just complete chaos. In fact, one week, a bunch of parents got frustrated with me because they didn't feel like I had it organized well enough. And one of them goes, just, just feels like chaos. And you know what I did? I literally named the middle school ministry chaos just to make a point, all right? I literally did that. Each letter started with a spiritual phrase. So that was kind of how I was. I just threw it right back in their face. But this girl, eighth grade girl, Kelly Lawson, raised her hand in one of our Bible studies 22 years ago. And she said, you tell us all the time how much God loves us. Then how come when we become Christians, he doesn't just let us come be with him right away? And Kelly Lawson stumped me that night in, a, in Bible study. And I really had to begin to unpack what do I really believe about that question. And it took me a few weeks to kind of get my head wrapped around it. And I came back to Kelly and her friends and I said, well, I think what the New Testament is telling us is he doesn't do that because he needs to leave us here to accomplish some things. And so for the rest of our life, we're supposed to let our life be about that. And Jesus actually gave us some really good insight into that in Matthew chapter nine, verses 35 through 38. One day Jesus looked out, the verse begins, and it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That was true in Jesus's time. And unfortunately for 2000 years of church history, that has remained the same, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, that there are lots of people who need to be pointed to Jesus. And unfortunately, very few people who claim the name of Jesus who are actually spending their life doing it. And this is why God's actually left us here, that for all of eternity, we'll get to be with him and we will no longer have the opportunity to share our faith. We'll no longer have the opportunity to be about the work of the kingdom. But for the short time he gives us here on this earth, that's actually the only reason he's left us here on this earth. And so I really wanna challenge you with, with some things tonight that if you'll let kind of settle into your heart, I actually believe it's the only shot we have to move through this life with joy, purpose, and fulfillment because there's a lot of things in this world that will rob you of that. And if for just a second you allow the world's standards or the world's scorecard to somehow take root into your heart, I promise you that's gonna be a path that's not gonna lead to a lot of joy. And so let's just kind of really be challenged by some things. In fact, let me give you three big ideas I wanna challenge you with, all right? And these may seem like I'm kind of getting all up in your grill. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just gonna try to challenge you. I hope that's okay. Abby may never invite me back again, all right? So I'm gonna make sure I challenge you with my one shot. Here we go, three big ideas. The sooner we move from being self-centered to being God-centered, the better. I'm gonna rely a little more heavily on my notes than I usually do on Sundays because like I said, I got a lot of content tonight. You just gotta figure that out at some point. You gotta get to a place in your life where you just decide, I'm gonna make my life about God and his purposes and not about me. And I'm just simply saying, the sooner you make that call, the better. It took me a little while to really get settled in on that. Even after I had started in full-time ministry, there were still times that I would kind of gravitate back towards, ah, I just kinda wanna do things my way and I kinda wanna make things about me. But the sooner you just kinda say, no, I'm gonna make my life about God and his purposes, 
the better. Let me read you an excerpt from one of my favorite books called Experiencing God. And I hope this frees you up and excites you, okay? God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He has been working throughout history to accomplish his purposes. Listen to this. He does not ask us to dream our dreams for him. He does not invite us to set magnificent goals and then pray that he will help us achieve them. He already has his own agenda when he approaches us. His desire is to get us from where we are to where he is working. He leads us from being self-centered to being God-centered. When God reveals to you where he is working, that becomes his invitation to join him in his activity. So when we move from being God-centered, excuse me, self-centered to God-centered, here's what we're basically saying. Hey, God, what are you up to and how can I be a part of it? God, instead of me asking you to bless my plans, instead of you know, me kind of submitting a sheet of paper with a bunch of stuff that I really hope to accomplish and asking you to bless it, God, I'd rather just give you a blank sheet of paper, hand you the pen, and you say, this is what I wanna do with you. Or better yet, go ahead and direct me to what you're already up to, and then I'll be happy to join you in that. And the sooner you begin to approach your life that way, the better. Here's the second big idea. God raises up individuals for his purposes differently in every generation. Now, when I say generation, I don't want you to think specifically about generations as far as ages, all right? I'm gonna do a whole message on that in January on, on different generations. We're actually living in a time where there's five generations active at, at once, and it's, 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 a, it's a little crazy, okay? So that's gonna be fun to look into that. But for this statement, I'm talking about generation in terms of everybody that's on the planet right now. Like the Bible was written from one generation to the next. And so what I'm trying to, to make the point is, is the way that God wants to raise up people now is going to look different than the way it did 100 years ago, the way it did 50 years ago, the way it did 20 years ago. I mean, I love to study Billy Graham. He's one of my favorite people to study. Like Billy Graham was selling out Madison Square Garden for like three straight weeks in the 50s for revivals. Pretty good chance that's not gonna happen again, all right? Let me just, you know, be a prophet. Pretty good chance that's probably not gonna happen. But it doesn't mean God doesn't wanna bring revival to New York and a bunch of other places as well. But we have to recognize is that God's gonna do this differently in every generation. And here's the key word. And this, is, this isn't real popular to say, but as I study God's word, here's what I see. He raises up individuals. He raises up individuals. God's never blessed a piece of property. God's never blessed a bunch of brick and mortar. God raises up people, empowers them with this Holy Spirit and releases them to accomplish his purposes. That's what God does. And for some of you, you're just kind of at the beginning of God beginning to stir some things in you and might I suggest it's because you're one of the people he's trying to raise up for such a time as this. Here's the third big idea. God raises up individuals for his purposes differently in every culture. Differently in every culture. This is one of the things that makes it, makes it fun to be a Christian. Like if you're ever just bored, Google churches in Nigeria or churches in Ethiopia. And they've got hundreds of thousands of people showing up on Sundays to worship. It's awesome. It's kind of one of my bucket list things is to go take a tour of all of these churches. See what God is up to in the world. God is up to a lot in this world. See what God is up to in different places. We've lived in different places. So I was born and raised in Georgia and I've spent ministry time there in Atlanta, in New York, Denver, Montgomery, Alabama, now here, okay? Let me tell you something about all those places. They're different, okay? 
They're different, all right? Montgomery, Alabama is a little different than Raleigh-Durham. Raleigh-Durham is a little different than Denver, Colorado. So cultures are different, which means God's gonna raise up people and accomplish his purpose, purposes differently in different cultures. At my last church, we were the worship service for a couple of house churches in China. Now, I couldn't ever say that publicly, but I can tell y'all because I don't think you'll tell anybody, right? So that's how that works, right? So I don't know how all that happened, but that just happened. So in some cultures, it's house-driven, uh, house church-driven. In other cultures, it's, so the idea is just to recognize God's always doing a whole lot of different things. And what we wanna try to do is tune in to what he is up to. So here's kind of the verse that I want you to kind of resonate with, all right? Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is my favorite verse. This verse is hanging up in my office. This is a verse I started praying when I was 16 years old that I just said, God, I don't know what that looks like, but I wanna be on that list. Like if you're looking for people to use, like I, I wanna be on that list. And I've tried my best for 25 years to figure out what that looks. And I'm gonna try my best for the next 25 years to continue to do that. And so what does it look like then? And here's the key question then that I want you to consider since you're here tonight, all right? How is God raising up individuals for his purposes in this generation? So how many of y'all like salsa? Anybody like salsa? That means you walk with Jesus. Now let's have even more fun, all right? How many of y'all like hot salsa? Like if you got choices, hot, you know, medium, or like just regular, so hot sauce, all right? So is medium or mild? Which one of those is hotter? Is it the medium or the mild? Medium, medium? all right, so we got the hot people. Raise your hand if you're hot. That came out wrong, all right? Then we got, <laughs> we got the medium people. How many like medium, all right? And then mild, or as I call it, ketchup. Who likes that, all right? Okay, now let me tell you what's really interesting about salsa. This is fun. Go do this in your local grocery store. It'll, it'll kill 30 minutes, all right? If you look at the back of salsa, hot, medium, and mild, they have the exact same of ingredients listed. That's always been a mystery to me, right? Like, how? How is that, all right? I don't know, but it's true. So somehow, the salsa people have figured out that if they take the same ingredients and, and they do something differently with them, they can produce different flavors. I think that's a picture of kind of how the Holy Spirit's worked in 2,000 years of church history. That he uses the same ingredients in different generations and in different centuries He's still the same, but he mixes it up a little different. It produces a new flavor and all of a sudden people start meeting Jesus, okay? So it's this idea that we can't try to recreate exactly what God's done in the past because God's purposes and his, are new every morning and he's up to something new. And so let's open our minds and open our hearts to what he's actually doing right now. And I want you to open your heart and open your mind to what God is doing right now and how he might actually be wanting to use you to do that. So let me give you kind of three things, all right? I gave you three big ideas, three things that I really wanna challenge you with. Some of you are already tracking, you already do these things, but maybe for some of you, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift. So how do you do that? How do you cooperate with how God's doing things today? Here's the first one, determine the key purpose for my life. Do you know what the key purpose is for your life? Like if somebody were to stop you and go, hey, what's your purpose? Like, could you answer that question? Not what's your job, what's your major, what's your career, the, you know, who's your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, pet, none of those things. Like, what is your purpose? Like, do you have an answer to that? It's a really good question to stop and consider. So a couple of verses to kind of just get you going, all right? Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
might I suggest that's foundational to determining the purpose God's placed you here for. That everything about your life is actually supposed to be lived as an opportunity to love God and to worship God and to point other people to God. That, that the, the sole purpose of our life is actually to bring glory to God. Like that's a really fun thing to consider because here's what that means. Everything about you has a purpose. Like everything, everything about how you look, how you think, how you feel, how you talk. And somebody else may have tried to tell you that those things about you weren't spiritual, okay? So for example, I don't know if you can tell this, I'm a fairly outgoing person. Like I could talk to a wall and have a really good conversation. Like I talk to everybody, everywhere I go. I just talk to people, I like it. I think it's fun. I think people are interesting, okay? My wife is the exact opposite. She's very quiet, she's very shy, she's very introverted, okay? And for most of her life, do you know what people asked her? Is everything okay? <laughs> What's wrong? And she always wanted to be like, Adam, people like you think that when other people are quiet, there's something wrong. We're just actually being normal, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're the ones that we need to go, is everything okay? So like I learned over the years, like she's just quiet, it's nothing wrong. So, but God wired her that way. God wired that way. So everything about how God wired you, gifted you, is for his purposes. Romans 12, one, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That means then everything about how you offer your life to God becomes worship. Like when we come in here and we sing songs, it's just kind of the exclamation point to everything we've been doing throughout the week. That all of our life is actually an opportunity to worship. And so if you can establish that purpose, it solidifies things, then it opens up a whole lot of possibilities to some stuff you get to do. So then it gets fun, all right? So number two, then discern the calling God has placed on my life. God's placed a calling on your life. I just want you to know that. God's placed a calling on your life. And discerning the calling that God has placed in your life begins to give you a little bit of insight into what you're supposed to do with your life. And you're not here just to take up space and consume resources. Like God actually wants you to do something with this amazing gift that he's given you called your life. And your calling has a lot of things that are tied to exactly how God wired you. So hopefully at some point in your life, there's this aha moment where you realize that something you're good at, not everybody else is good at. And that's okay. Did you know that when you recognize you're good at something, it's a little bit of a surprise because you've just always assumed that other people are like that. It reminds me of the time that um, when Morgan and I were dating, we, I, I don't, we were on a date and I, I think we ate like a Snickers bar. We were really fancy. I, I can't remember if it was a Snickers bar. What are those little green and chocolate things they give you at the Olive Garden when you finish eating? Yeah, it might've been one of those, right? So like we were fancy at the Olive Garden and like I ate the chocolate and then right after I ate the chocolate, like I sneezed. And Morgan's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just had a piece of chocolate. And she looked at me like, that's not the right answer to that question, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just had a piece of chocolate. And she's like, you're so weird, what's wrong with you, right? She stayed with me, she didn't break up with me. And I said, well, you know, like when you eat chocolate, you sneeze. She's like, no, Adam, like that's, that's not, you, are you telling me that every time you eat chocolate, you sneeze? I'm like, yeah. She's like, that means you're allergic to it. <laughs> I was like, for real? I was like, you mean not everybody sneezes when they eat chocolate? She's like, no, my gosh. I was like, so like for the life of me, I thought up until we started dating that it was just normal that when you eat chocolate, you sneeze. To this day, if I eat a piece of chocolate, I'll sneeze, all right? It hasn't stopped me. I'm committed, all right? So I'm gonna keep eating chocolate. <laughs> not gonna slow me down. 
So it's this idea that like, I just thought that was normal. So like when I was growing up in school, I, I was very respectful to authority, not because I wanted to respect them, but because I feared my father. And so like I was respected authority, but like I would always get in trouble for talking too much. Like that just was my thing. And like they would, teachers would send me out in the hall, that little bench, you had to sit there until you could keep yourself under control, you could come back in the class. And so the only thing I ever got in trouble for was talking too much. And so at some point in my life, I realized like, you, you really like to talk and you, the more people, the better. And, and, and people were like, doesn't it make you nervous to talk? I'm like, I think it's awesome. And it was just this reality, well, maybe God's gifted me to talk a lot because he might wanna do something with that one day instead of getting in trouble like I am right now in school. So is there something like that in your life that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of good at that. Like, you know, Austin, he, he knows how to do all this stuff back there that they won't let me in that little booth because of what might happen because I see lots of bright things. I want to know what they do, right? So I don't go back there. But like, there's always something you, you think about things like math is easy for you. And if that is, man, you just annoy us because the rest of us, it's not, right? But is there something that you're like, man, I do that, like musically, the way you think about things, the way you write about things. And I think that's important because Psalm 37, four says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes when we start to think about, man, what would it look like if I actually crossed the line and said, okay, God, I'm all yours. I'm all in. Do with me whatever you want. The fear in that is that he's gonna send you to Malaysia, right? Or somewhere you don't wanna be. And Malaysia's wonderful this time of year, okay? Maybe he might send you to, to Montgomery, Alabama. I don't know, right? So uh, Atlanta, Georgia. We think if I do what God wants me to do, God's gonna do something to me I'm not gonna like. Can I tell you that's actually the exact opposite? Nobody knows you better than the God who created you. And he, he will take you and he will align a calling with how he wired you. And he'll put you in a place where you're actually doing things that produce great joy. Because he's the one who gave you those things and he gave you those things for his purposes. And so discerning that calling can be a little bit of fun because you start to kind of see some opportunities there. Let me skip over the next verse, guys, and go to point number three. Then this all kind of comes together. Discover the career where my purpose and my calling align. Like I thought we were talking about called the ministry and now you're talking about career, okay? I want you to hang with me because I think that this whole idea of a career and work and calling and being a Christian and how's all that supposed to work, I think sometimes we, we've, we've mixed up some things and we haven't got a lot, of bit of, a lot of clarity on that, okay? So look at Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. When I say career, here's what I need to think. Whatever you spend the majority of your time doing, if you're a student, that's your career. If you have a job, that's your career. My wife, Morgan, has had multiple jobs in her career. She's not working right now. She's at home right now with two sick boys, one healthy boy, that's her career. So whatever it is you spend the majority of your time doing, don't get too hung up with that. But for the purposes of this discussion, can, can we quickly just reestablish like a theology of work, okay? So I've got some things I, I wanna walk through real quickly here about work, because I'm talking about calling and I'm talking about purpose and I'm talking about career. I'm talking about you using the things God's given you, okay? And sometimes as Christians, we, we don't understand work. 
Work was given by God in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Sometimes people think that work was a consequence of sin. That once Adam and Eve sinned, then God punished them by making them work. But that's not, how it, that's not how the passage reads. That work was actually part of what God called them to do. The consequence of sin was that it was gonna be more difficult, okay? So work is a really good thing that we, we use. Work is worship. We just read that in Colossians 3. Work throughout the Bible is seen as service to God and our neighbor, okay? Work is the way God provides for us to build wealth as stewards. If anybody's ever told you that it's sinful to build wealth, I just, we just all need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus, okay? Can I tell you what this world needs? More Christians building wealth. Because you know who's had the money too long? Satan and his people. So let's just take some of it back and use it for God and his purposes, all right? So some of y'all go start a multi-billion dollar company. Go start one, all right? I'll be your biggest fan, all right? You can give to the Christmas offering. I will be your biggest fan, all right? It'll be awesome. So work is how God allows you to have money to do something with it. Now, if you go get three car payments and, and buy something you can't afford, you'll never get to use that money for God's purposes. So you gotta have a good financial plan, but work is what allows that into your life. Work doesn't determine who we are. The, one of the best things that could ever happen to you is getting fired. One of the best things that could ever happen to you. Somebody ever fires you, just get up, smile, and say, thank you for a wonderful opportunity. Now I get to spend the rest of my life doing something meaningful and walk out the door, right? Drop the mic. That'd be awesome, right? Everybody should have one of those moments in their life, okay? Work doesn't define you. It's not who you are. You can bounce around. You can change different jobs. And then work has this boundary called the Sabbath. One out of every seven days, you don't need to be working. You know why? It's important for you to recognize that you didn't contribute anything to this world and the sun still came up. That's really good. Wow, God, you managed to get by without me for one day. That's great, right? That just does something for my soul. That's good. So this whole idea of a theology of work really matters. And so when we like put this together, all right? I know I got a lot. So purpose, there's this calling. Is there a way to kind of put these things together as I'm trying to look to the next 20 years of my life, the next 30 years of my life? What is that supposed to look like? So here's a little helpful diagram, okay? It's called a three circle Venn diagram. And I found one from like an elementary school website and Austin did much better with his. So we thank Austin for that. So this is a helpful thing that somebody explained to me about probably about 20 years ago. And it's been helpful for me, all right? So when you think about like work and career, there's three circles and one of them is gonna say passion, one of them is gonna say skills and one of them is gonna say money, all right? So let's go ahead and put those up there, all right? So we all have things we're passionate about and that's great. So I'm passionate about music. Now I'm not skilled at music, but I'm passionate about music. And then sometimes we have some things we're good at. Like I'm good at talking, so that's my only skill. I can read too, I got two, all right? So skills, all right, I can read and talk. And then money, like will somebody pay you to do something? So sometimes you're passionate about something, but nobody's gonna pay you for that passion, okay? Sometimes you're skilled at something and somebody will pay you for it, but you don't really care. You're not passionate about it. And the goal, and I'm just kind of like saying, hey, like look at the next 20 years of your life and kind of put together a plan. The goal is to land somewhere in life where you can kind of be in that sweet spot in the middle there where you're getting to spend most of your time doing something that you care about, that you're actually good at, and you're good enough at it that people will actually pay you money to do it. Because see, if you're just doing stuff and nobody's paying you, it's a hobby, okay? So you gotta figure out a way to generate money to use for God's purposes. Now, here's my contention. And some of y'all are gonna love this statement and some of y'all are gonna hate this statement, okay? So just take a deep breath and receive this in Jesus' name, all right? It usually takes about 10 years to figure that out. It just does. 
It just does. And so there are times where you're working and you don't have a passion for what you're doing. And here's what I would say, replace that with gratitude. Just be grateful. I got a job, okay? It ain't the job I'm gonna keep forever, but it's gonna get me to the job I want, okay? So you keep moving forward. And at some point, about 10 years in, hopefully you've started to figure that out. Like it, it took me several things to do. For example, this is a great example. Like what y'all are doing right now. There was a season in my life in ministry where they let me run the young adults, okay? When I started, there was about 100. And when I finished, there was about 10. And so what we realized <laughs> was that that probably wasn't my strength, right? So like that happens sometimes. Like you have to figure things out. You, you try this and then you try that, all right? So you kind of work towards all those things. So hopefully that's a little helpful for you. Now, here's the last point, and it's the one I really kind of want to challenge you with, all right? So thank you all. You've hung with me. I know I got a lot. I had a lot of content here, okay? The fourth thing, this whole idea of being called to ministry. I hope that everybody sees you're called to ministry, but there is this fourth thing. Distinguish the differences of full-time occupational ministry as a career. So here, here's where I want everybody tracking with me. If, if you're a Christ follower, you've been called to ministry. If you can figure out your purpose, calling, begin to align a career where you use that purpose and that calling in your career, for a lot of you, that's what you'll do. I watched my dad do that for 30 years with a business that he started where he built lasers. My dad built lasers. How awesome is that? Never let me touch it once, but he built lasers and he sold them to doctors and he trained them and they did surgeries and he witnessed the doctors and he led them to the Lord and like that was how he did ministry and it's awesome. And for many of you, that's what your life's gonna look like. You're gifted and you're wired and you can do all these amazing things and that will be many opportunities for you to share your faith. My son, Sam, um, dad brag moment here for a second, all right? He was up here on Sunday playing the trumpet and um, that's his thing. He loves playing the trumpet and he did a great job. And he asked me one day when we were driving in the truck, he said, dad, I really wanna play trumpet. Like that's what I wanna do with my life. And I wanna be a professional musician. And I said, buddy, I'll be your biggest fan. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I love that. And he said, and this is my 14-year-old son. I'm definitely bragging right now. He said, dad, the only thing is, I'm not so sure how that's gonna help me tell people about Jesus. I was like, man, you're a great kid. You're challenging dad here. And I thought for a second and I said, you know what, buddy? I said, playing the trumpet is simply what would give you the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. I said, do you think that what I do for a living, do you think that I preach for a living? He's like, well, not really. He's like, I think it's one of the things you do, but I don't think that's all you do. I said, exactly, you're seeing that right. I said, if I do that correctly, all that does is give me opportunities to talk to Jesus, talk to people about Jesus. Cause that's like 30 minutes a week. I got all these other days. And so like when, when God gives you an opportunity to do something, that's not really the point. The point is that opens up doors for you to then talk to people about Jesus. And if I've said anything tonight that any of you are like, man, I wanna talk with you more about that. Like let's grab lunch or let's set up a time to talk in my office. Like what I do here is to open up further conversations. And so many of you will do that. But there are some of you, and I know that the Lord laid this message on my heart because I know that some of you are in here. It might be one of you, it might be 10 of you, I have no idea. That, that God has already begun to stir some things in you about what it would look like for your life to take that step to be full-time vocational ministry. That you have this plan for what you think you want to do with the rest of your life. And God has already started to mess with that plan. God has already started to go, no, 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 no. Uh, we're gonna do some things. God has already started to create, here's the phrase, some holy discontent. That you're in a job, you're in a career, it's just not giving you the fulfillment that you thought it would. 
And maybe God's actually the one behind all that. He might be messing with you. He might be stirring some things in you. He did that to me when I was 18 years old. I didn't wanna be a pastor. I loved pastors, but I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. And I wanted to get into politics. I had a map of the White House, y'all, hanging up in my room in high school. So when I got there as president, I'd know my way around. Like that was me. <laughs> really struggled with confidence as a teenager, okay? But God said, no, 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 no. No, no, we're not gonna do any of that. And he called me to ministry. So what does that look like? Okay, let me give you some things. First of all, you don't choose it. God chooses you, okay? I wanna be a pastor. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I want to marry a pastor. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. No, you don't. Okay. So this is not like something that you mark on a form at career day. Like this is something that like God stirs in you. And he, he, he kind of he's like, well, how am I supposed to know that? Like, does God just like talk to me? Does he tell me some things? I think it's a stirring. I think it's a discontent. I think it's an idea of what could be. But God's the one who initiates this. Okay. Second thing it's affirmed by godly authority in a local church, not your mom or your grandma. You sit down with somebody who's an authority at a local church, a pastor, somebody like Abby, somebody like me, somebody like John, somebody like Austin, and go, hey, I might not be seeing this right, but here's what I think. And if that person's really walking with Jesus, they'll shoot you straight. And they'll either say something like, I've seen these things in you, I affirm that. There's some growth that needs to happen, but I, I affirm that. Or they'll look at you and say, man, that might be true, but can I just be honest with you? I haven't seen some fruit in your life that would give me any indication that you're walking with Jesus, okay? So this isn't just something that you take lightly. This is something that you bring before somebody else and you have a conversation with it, somebody who's an authority. And hopefully that person, I had lunch with a guy a couple months ago and we had this conversation and I said, here's what I see and here's something I think you, you could work on if this is where God wants to take you. And he received that. And I could, just by the way he received it, I'm thinking, you know what? God might actually be doing this. God might actually be calling him to ministry. Third, it's a call to availability. It's a call to availability. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people over the year where they say things like this. Hey, I really feel like God's calling me to ministry and I love that as long as I don't have to move. As long as I can stay near, near my family. As long as I don't have to do this particular. And, and, and what I've always told them is, well, I don't think God's calling you because when God calls you, you remove the as long as. The call to ministry is a call to availability, which just simply means this. It means your yes is on the table. It means, God, before you even tell me what you want me to do, I'm already telling you the answer is yes. I mean, God, if, if you call me here, I'm packing my bags. If you tell me to go there, that's where we're gonna go. And, and it's just this reality that my life is not my own and, and I'm gonna be used for your purposes, no strings attached, no set of expectations. You fill in the details. And as long as I'm going where you want me to go, we'll be good. It's that level of availability. And then finally, you can't escape it, it's in your bones. I mean, if you could do anything else, you'd go do it. I laugh at the thought that I would actually work somewhere other than a church. I'd be a terrible employee. <laughs> I, I, I just, it'd be bad, right? It would be bad. So it's just, it's just in me, God just, God just placed it in me. So let me just say this. I believe in this room, I believe in this room, there's somebody Maybe somebody's that God is doing that. Part of what I'm giving 
I'm praying God gives me 25 more years of ministry. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, it depends on a lot of what I do with bacon and other, feed, other food that's not healthy for me, right? Someone says, if you eat too much bacon, it's gonna kill you. I'm like, then I get to see Jesus, right? right? <laughs> Full of bacon. I mean, that is not a deterrent. So uh, anyway, I, I digress. But I'm praying God gives me 25 more years. And part of that drive is I wanna be a part of seeing God raise up the next generation of pastors. I just wanna see it. And for some of you, it's you. Some of you are gonna plant churches out of New Hope. We're gonna launch you. We're gonna watch you lead a church. Some of you are gonna lead ministries here. Some of you are gonna go be missionaries in other countries. You're gonna take the gospel to some places in the world that aren't easy to take the gospel to. Some of you are going to give the rest of your life to the next generation. You're gonna be the voice in a kid's life or a teenager's life that you never had to help shape them in their walk with the Lord. And, and, and what I've just been asking God for all week is that somebody's life would just be absolutely destroyed tonight. That somebody's plans would, that, that you would leave tonight, that somebody here and just, you, you won't be able to sleep tonight. That's what I've been asking God for. That he just wrecks somebody's plans. That somebody in this room that like, before you were born, God already knew what he was gonna do with you. And, and, and it's starting to like come to the surface. And there's a lot of fear that goes with that. And there's a lot of anxiety that goes with that. But my goodness, if you could see a picture for what the next 30 or 40 years of your life could look like, you'd sign up for it right now. You'd sign up for it right now. And so I just wanna encourage you with that. That I really believe that's why Abby asked me to speak here tonight was to help everybody recognize, hey, listen, there's a purpose to your life. There's a calling that's been placed on your life. Lean into that, don't avoid it. But hey, for some of you, God's calling you to something even greater than you could have ever imagined. But for all of us, can I, can I just share where it always starts? It just always starts right here. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? From time to time, it's easy for all of us to let our hearts just kind of get out of alignment with the Lord. And so as we enter into this time of response, whether you're here to enjoy the evening, whether this message has resonated with you or not, maybe as we move into this time of response, can I just challenge you? Hey, just ask God. Hey, God, search my heart. Where am I at with you? Where are we? I mean, Adam said at the beginning that you're pleased with me, but I don't, I don't feel that right now. And God, I wanna be close to you and I wanna feel close to you. And God, whatever is in my life right now that's keeping that from happening, can you, can you let me know what that is? And as you talk to God about that, can I just encourage you then just to come clean with him? Just walk out of here tonight good with God because here's the thing, he's good with you. Would you bow your head with me? And so God, would you speak to us? God, we want you to have our hearts not just for all of eternity, but God, for now, in this moment with you. God, for each person in this room, would you just remind them that you created them in your image? You have a purpose, you have a calling, that there's literally nothing about them that's a mistake, that there's nothing about their story that you don't wanna use. 
God, for the person who feels like they've already done too much or disqualified themselves or made too many mistakes or God, just wipe all of that away as you already have through the cross. And so God, speak to us. God, for those who you may be calling to step into this adventure of full-time ministry, God, encourage them. Help them to tell somebody. Help them to begin to take the steps to figure out what that might look like. God, we thank you that for all of human history, you've used normal people like us. So we just say, use us, empower us, and do it in a way that brings glory to yourself. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.